Hello, and welcome to AJC Passport, brought to you by AJC, the diplomatic arm of the Jewish community. Each week, we'll chat with experts from around the world to help you better understand the week's headlines and what they all mean for Israel and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. This week at AJC's National Leadership Council fly-in in Washington, D.C., we recorded a very special live episode of AJC Passport. We featured conversations with two freshman members of Congress, Representative Donna Shalala from Florida, a Democrat, and Representative Van Taylor of Texas, a Republican. Here are those conversations now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good Jewish son, so I try to call my mother every Friday before Shabbat. And this Friday I called her and she says to me, we haven't, I haven't told her I'm doing this yet, she says to me, uh, Sefi, did you see the New York Times article about Donna Shalala? And I was like, no, why? And she said, you know, she used to be the president of the University of Wisconsin. My mom's a badger. And I said, I, I did know that. She was actually the first, is this right, the first female president of a Big Ten school. Um, and, and only the second ever woman to serve as president of a major research institution. And my mom said, do you know that that was not in the article? They only talked about the University of Miami. So <laughs> my, mom was, my mom was indignant. Uh, and then I told her, you know, by the way, Ima, I'm going to be interviewing her next week. And she said, please tell her I've been a fan since the Clinton administration. <laughs> so you should know, my mom is a big fan of yours. Um, and, and that kind of uh, uh, helps us understand a little bit uh, about the storied career that Representative Shalala um, has led. She was the president of, in order, Hunter College, uh, University of Wisconsin, and the University of Miami. Um, she was the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services for all eight years of the Clinton administration. Uh, I believe that is still the longest that anyone has ever served in that position as HHS Secretary. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, during a uh, somewhat controversial time for the Clinton Foundation, you were the, you were the president of the Clinton Foundation. Um, she is now perhaps the most overqualified uh, freshman representative in the US Congress. Um, so ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Representative Donna Shalala. Thank you very much. Um, Bill Clinton said I was the most overqualified since John Quincy Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I want to stay on your bio for a moment, actually, because I just listed all of these impressive uh, places where you were top dog. Um, you know, these, these three uh, great universities. Um, HHS probably has, what, 100,000, 200,000 employees. Uh, that you oversaw, um, and now you are one in a crowd of 435. What's that like? Well, I'm not a, I'm a freshman, but I'm not a rookie. So <laughs> I have a, and I've known most of the senior leaders of the house for a very long time. So am I treated differently? Well, I know more people. There's no question about it. And I probably know a little bit more about the politics, more because I'm a political scientist. The one thing that's not in this introduction is that my first publication as an academic was paid for by AJC. Huh. Uh, when I was um, uh, arrived in New York, I went to teach politics at Columbia, and um, AJC was interested in some of uh, issues like neighborhood governments and things like that, and I wrote a monograph. In 1972, I looked it up, 1972 for AJC, and had a long relationship with the New York 
uh, HAC, and, and now with Miami, obviously. Well, that is, that is fascinating. Um, and that was at Teachers College, I believe, yeah. right? And yeah, but it was a publication. It was actually on neighborhood governance because I remember I went down and interviewed, a, among others, a community organizer in Baltimore named Barbara Mikulski. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she made something of her life. Yeah, and she uh, years later she, she just thought I was a little punk, some little <laughs> academic punk. <laughs> Years later, I had to testify before, and I think she still thought I was a little academic <laughs> punk, but I grew up after that. Well, I, I actually, I'm glad you brought up testifying in, in Congress, uh, because it, it occurs to me that there must be uh, members um, who you'll be serving with, who you testified before when you were HHS secretary, including uh, Republican members who maybe played a little hardball with you in, in that kind of a scenario. Yeah. What, what's that going to be well, like? Well, the speaker was one of them. She was on my committees. But you know, when you're secretary of HHS, you have a lot of committees. So you testify before everyone. Um, you know, um, President Clinton had an interesting approach to this. We treated our Republican colleagues and our Democratic colleagues um, very respectfully. So I never campaigned in any of the districts that anyone that was on any of my committees. When we made phone calls about announcements, the senior ranking person um, would get the call first, whether they were a Republican or a Democrat. And we did a lot of bipartisan uh, work. So uh, to the extent that there are senior people on the Republican side, I, um, they have greeted me warmly. Um, and in some places like Wisconsin, where they really uh, knew me, or the New York delegation, all of whom knew me because they were all young Democrats when I was starting out my career. So I've gotten a very warm welcome. Now, does that mean I'll get more done than other people? Um, um, you know, we'll see, because having a divided house is not exactly uh, easy. But even on the Senate side, I mean, the chairman of the, House, of the Senate Appropriations Committee during the, almost the entire time I was secretary was Ted Stevens, and I was his mixed doubles partner. So you know I got my budget. <laughs> are, you, are you interested in, in working across the aisle? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this freshman class comes with a different tone. I mean, we have sort of had it. People ask me why I ran. And you know, the truth is, I woke up one morning, I turned on the television, and I just got pissed off at what was going on in Washington, literally. And I am a very disciplined person. That was the most irrational decision I ever made. I mean, I called a pollster I know and said, I'm not sure any of the Democrats that are running can win this, can flip the seat, which was then an open seat, but the Republicans had had it for 30 years. And we did a poll, and I clearly had name recognition. But I, I, was, is, I was angry with the Republicans and with the president. But I wasn't sure my own party uh, came with the right attitude. Not that I, um, that I believed that Washington hadn't changed. It obviously had. But um, I just thought that, you know, um, uh, that I could do better in terms of reaching across the aisle. And we'll find some things to reach across the aisle. Uh, to do, and uh, we did our some of our orientation together, and I could tell that many of the Republicans really would like to change the tone. They are not all Tea Party people. Um, most of them are are conservative, but um, they clearly don't like the kind of atmosphere, the partisan atmosphere 
uh, here in Washington. And the shutdown makes it even more difficult, I think, for all of us. I lived through a 21-day shutdown as Secretary of HHS. It was very painful. It's a, it's a people thing. I mean, if you've been in the 40% of the civil service servants around the country that work for the federal government are veterans. I mean, this is, it's very disrespectful, let alone the immorality of it and um, the, the broader politics of it. Um, I didn't like it then, and I certainly don't like it now. You mentioned that the seat that you, uh, that you uh, won, uh, you flipped that district. Uh, and, and people here uh, might not know this, Florida's 27th was previously occupied by Ileana ross Leitman, um, a, a good friend of AJC over many years. And a good friend of Israel. Uh, indeed. Um, what, what was, you know, you're one of those vaunted few, more than few actually, Democrats who, who succeeded in, in the 2018 midterms in, in flipping a, a district. How, how did you do that? Well, um, I, I ran a campaign for mayor, basically. I ran a <laughs> grassroots campaign. I convinced the voters and I ran against a Hispanic woman, I convinced the voters of one thing, that I could hit the ground running and that I could get things done. After 30 years of, of a Republican who had the right values and many of the right positions, who couldn't get her own party to listen to her, um, I think I convinced the voters that I was qualified um, that I could hit the ground running, that I already had a track record in Miami. I had created thousands of jobs and had a huge multi-billion dollar impact on the economy by, through the presidency of the University of Miami for 14 years. They knew me. Um, but, you know, it's one-third Democratic, one-third Republican, and one-third Independent. So there are multiple constituencies um, you have to work with. Um, in the Jewish community in particular, I was extremely well known. There are Miami people here, I think. Yes, yes. I'm well known in the, in the Jewish community um, and certainly on campus. Um, I was telling you the story. Um, we started out, I, I always went to uh, at least once a year to the Shabbats that Halal had. And by the end of my tenure, they were calling it Shabbat Shalala. <laughs> but my rule about the Shabbat that I went to was that the Jewish students had to bring their Gentile friends. That it had to be uh, just broader than the Shabbat and the, and the Hillel and uh, the reforms and the conservatives, um, that they had to bring their Gentile friends because they ought to have the experience of a Shabbat and understand the broader community. So. And that's, that's right in line with, with the spirit of, of AJC and the work that we do right. on coalition building. And, and I spent, I was on Project Interchange, uh, which I'm very grateful my next for. Question. It's a wonderful program. But I had spent years going in and out of Israel. I first went to Israel, well, I first went to Israel with a backpack because I was a Peace Corps volunteer of all things in Iran, <laughs> in southern Iran. So I first went to Israel in the 60s, but in the 70s. When, when they were friends when they, in Israel. Israel had an embassy. Yeah. Um, Israelis had pig farms in northern uh, Iran. Um, <laughs> not a well-known fact. Not, not many of those <laughs> in Israel. <laughs> well-known fact. Um, and I knew the joint people, and there was a magnificent synagogue in Isfahan that had Persian rugs um, on the floor. Um, 
but I've been in and out of Israel over the years. I know most of the leaders of Israel. And the Hunter women in particular were interested in starting the women's studies programs in Israel, which we got started at most of the universities. So um, I've been in and out of Israel for years. I actually have four honorary degrees from Israeli universities. <laughs> so um, when I had to be interviewed by APAC and a by J Street, both of them interviewed me. They were a little intimidated by the time I got finished with them about we're, my we're ties to Israel. Uh, let, me, let me ask you, um, what kind of a role do you expect to play in Congress in support of the US-Israel relationship? Well, you know, we have a pretty remarkable South Florida delegation uh, with Lois Frankel, with Ted Deutsch, with um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, now with uh, uh, also Debbie Powell, uh, who um, uh, defeated Carlos Cobella. So you can expect us to be firm supporters of Israel. Um, and uh, most of us have, have, has, have had extensive experience um, with the Israeli leaders, with going in and out of Israel, with the complexity of the politics. Uh, in Israel, but I'm a Lebanese American, so, um, but I'm also a Maronite Christian. In fact, our mass is said in Aramaic. So I went on 23andMe and found out I'm 0001% Ashkenazi Jew. <laughs> so my friend, the Jewish scholar Bill Green, said, welcome to the tribe. <laughs> but um, my family, it's interesting. My family is Christian, but my grandmother used to tell stories about her Jewish friends in Beirut because there was a substantial Jewish community in Beirut. Um, and she used to talk endlessly about the different communities that she got to know as a child uh, in Beirut. What, what are some things that you think uh, this 116th Congress could do in, in support of, of the US's relationship? Well, obviously, uh, we have to have our feet firmly on the ground um, in terms of what Israel needs in terms of arms and other kinds of investments, firmly on the ground. Um, we might differ on the Iran deal, but there's no question, at least with the people that I'm working with, that we're going to protect the sovereignty and the future of Israel. But simultaneously, these new movements on college campuses um, we're going to have to take a firm stand on. I did not experience it at the University of Miami, even though we had a large Muslim and Arab American um, community. We actually worked very hard at our, not just the Jewish and the Muslim students, but the entire student body understanding that they were one family. Um, so we didn't see, now you see anti-Semitism on every campus. You wake up one morning and your dean of students calls you and says, someone put a swastika on you know, the site of one of the, of one of the buildings. And those kinds of things you jump on yep. immediately and make sure that everybody knows your positions. Mm -hmm. um, but you, know, you have to work on the culture of your campuses. Um, I was probably the first college president in the United States to condemn uh, the British Union when they wanted to um, stop Israeli scholars. Yeah, um, in 2004. From, in 2004, I was the first one that, in fact, 
uh, the Jewish organization, I caught them by surprise because I sent out the letter and then I explained to them what was going on. Um, but it was a very difficult situation. Now I think every college president in America is conscious, working on strategies. Yeah. I think, I think there's concern uh, among many in the Jewish community, though, that the BDS movement, this movement to boycott, divest from, and sanction the state of Israel, that it's graduated college, that it's out in the wider world. Oh, no, now. there's no question about it. And, and there's no question. But, but you have to get on and on college campuses. People say to me, well, how would you handle these speakers and everything? This all has to do with leadership. Mm -hmm. I invented the Farrakhan rule at Hunter College. I did not want Farrakhan to come on my campus, and he was all over the place in the 1980s. So the Farrakhan rule is no one gets to come on your campus to speak unless they're prepared to answer questions. <laughs> Farrakhan will not answer questions. Hmm. So you can ban him from your campus. So I never had him on any campus, whether it was Wisconsin or Miami or Hunter. Maybe we'll look to help proliferate that rule. I, I like yeah. that. Um, you know, people are concerned, I think, that within the Democratic Party, uh, within even uh, some elected Democrats, uh, Representative uh, Tlaib from Michigan, Representative Omar from, uh, from Minnesota, um, that those two are, are supporters of, of the BDS movement, that they are quite vocally uh, opposed to Israel. I think there's, there's a concern that the Democratic Party is drifting from, from Israel. Can you allay no, those concerns? Yeah, I would not. Uh, you know, this is in general, the freshman class has some young people they have strong views that may differ from ours, but there's not a movement there. Mm -hmm. I don't see the movement. Even when I ran against candidates to my left in Miami, way to my left, uh, the Bernie, uh, some of them, the mild ones were Bernie candidates. Um, uh, I didn't pick up much of that. So um, I don't, don't make a generalization over a couple of representatives who have deep roots in other communities. Um, I think it's important to know that there are people like me, lots of people like me, who are not Jewish. In fact, um, one, of, one of the reasons I love uh, Project Interchange is because it, doesn't, it takes lots of people that aren't Jewish. We've got to get more people that aren't Jewish to go to Israel. You know, I love the programs that send young people, young Jews to Israel, but they ought to take their roommates with them. <laughs> Israel's going to survive, in my judgment, only if we have non-Jews that understand Israel, its history, and its importance um, uh, to our future. Um, and that's why I've just been, just been consistent, both in my views um, as well as my willingness to speak up and, and to stand up. Now, Representative um, Shalala, it's, uh, it's barely 2019. And the 2020 Democratic primary field is already starting to fill up with a, a, a diverse array of, uh, of candidates. Um, is that going to be, is this, is, this, is this melee, is this free, is it going to be good for the party? Um, or do, you, do you have confidence that a, a strong nominee will emerge? What do you see ahead for, for 2020? No, I Democratic? think, but I'm the wrong person to talk to. I remember being invited to sit in a basement in New York City and listen to this guy from Georgia who came in named Jimmy Carter <laughs> who was going to run for president. Some peanut so farmer. I'm sitting know. there. And I thought he was the most boring person I'd ever heard in my entire life. I walked out of there and said, this guy's never going to be president. I had known the Clintons since before they were married. 
I actually, Harold Dickey's introduced me to them in New York, and the Coveners uh, introduced me to them in New York. And um, I, didn't, I just didn't think we were going to get another Southerner. Uh, so I'm, I'm the worst person about picking a candidate. I love the idea that there are going to be lots of candidates, because then I don't have to take a position on one of them. <laughs> um, because Miami is an important place for them, and they're all going to come down and, and raise money in Miami. I think it's good for the Democratic Party. I think we have to find our core again. It's not that we don't have human values. It's not that we don't care about the poor or um, uh, about humanitarian issues. It's not that we don't care about, uh, about civil rights anymore or human rights. It, it's just that we've got to find our voice again, and we're only going to do it in a presidential campaign in which the candidates are going to knock against each other. So I welcome, I know most of the people that are running, not some of them well and some of them not. The other thing is the primaries are different this time. You go from Iowa to California. So that's a, that's a very different uh, mix than we have had before. We'll, we'll see. We're trying to get the uh, Democratic Convention in Miami. <laughs> you know, you, it, it's Milwaukee and Houston. And, um, you know, if you want to have a party, you come to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, Representative Shalaya, thank you so much for joining You're us. And, and on behalf of all of us here at AJC, let me wish you much personal success. Thank you. In the, uh, thank you, everybody. Folks, you thought you had a tough time getting here. Uh, Representative Van Taylor landed 19 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, something like that, um, at, at DCA uh, at, at Reagan and, and made his way right over here to be here with us. So um, we're, we're thrilled to have him here today. He was in district this weekend with his family, with his constituents, and now he's here with us here at the AJC National Leadership Council fly-in. Uh, Representative Taylor is a businessman, a Marine veteran, a Harvard grad, and a Texan born and bred. Thank you for joining us. For having me. <laughs> so we have not met before. I'm Sefi Kogan. Nice okay, to meet Sefie. you. Good to meet you. <laughs> um, you are one of 19 freshman vets elected to Congress in right. 2018. Is that right? 19? Yep. 19 in, in 2018. The largest class that we've had entering since 2010, so almost a decade. Do you think veterans have a particular type of experience that will help them uh, be successful in, in Congress? Well, um, first, thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate this great organization. I know you guys from my Dallas chapter back home, so it's good to, good to see you on a national level. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, exciting to be here. Um, certainly, uh, you know, having served, I served in the U.S. Marine Corps uh, after Harvard, before I went to Harvard Business School, and then um, uh, on uh, my uh, Marine Reserve, actually, I was in a Marine Reserve unit while I was at Harvard Business School, and I'd fly down uh, every month. My, my reserve unit was actually here in Washington, uh, for Civil Affairs Group. They uh, drilled at Anacostia Naval Annex, uh, and so if you're flying into Reagan National Airport, you look across the river, you can actually see the Anacostia Naval Annex. And uh, my last day of drill there. Um, uh, um, I was supposed to, I, I was planning to go have lunch at the Pentagon. I'd never been there. Uh, it was a nice Tuesday. Uh, I figured I'd go over and uh, have lunch at the Pentagon, go to Henderson Hall. Uh, but I never got there because that day was September 11, 2001. Wow. So I watched the Pentagon burn with my own eyes. Uh, made a commitment to make a difference. Uh, got in my car because you couldn't fly that day. Uh, and drove, to, drove back home to Texas and uh, was at 4th Recon Battalion 
uh, in San Antonio on Friday and uh, ended up leading the very first platoon into Iraq on D-Day, March 21st, 2003, uh, for my task force, Task Force Tarwa. Um, and thank you. Um, and, and let me just say, with this applause makes clear, thank you very much for your service. Uh, I was glad to get, well, they put the reservists out front because they know we'll do a good job. <laughs> uh, Taylor, call us in the morning, let us know it's okay. We'll, we'll be right behind you, whole brigade, all of us. Uh, That's that Marine Corps humor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but no, very blessed to accomplish every mission, bring everybody home to their families, and Mary, the girl, sent me a letter every single day I was there. And uh, yeah, she wrote good letters. Uh, and we're raising three girls uh, in Plano, Texas. So, uh, but you, clearly that military service is, is a chapter in my life um, and uh, an important one. Uh, I learned a lot in the military, and I think that that, is, uh, that service is helpful, uh, certainly from a policy set. Dealing, I mean, you know, the, the, as a legislator, you're a generalist, right? You deal with all issues, taxes, foreign policy, uh, military, uh, you know, benefits, lots of different issues uh, are legislative issues. So, so the more experiences you have, the more that you know and understand, the better job you're going to be able to do as a legislator. And, and I should say that uh, though Representative Taylor is is new to the U.S. Congress, uh, you previously served in the Texas State Senate. Right. Uh, and so he, he is an experienced legislator uh, sitting, sitting next to me, uh, even though he's also a, a, a freshman. Um, now, you were endorsed by With Honor, uh, which for those of you who don't know, is a cross-partisan fund uh, that supports uh, veteran candidates um, and believes that veterans are people who put uh, principles ahead of politics. Uh, are you well suited to work across the aisle as a result of, of your experience in the military? Sure. So I, I should, you know, With Honor is a great organization uh, and they endorse Republicans and Democrats and they focus on trying to get veterans elected. Uh, studies have been done that veteran members of the U.S. Congress actually are more bipartisan in the way that they act. And some might ask, why is that? Having been a legislator in Texas, I have an inside, and that is that we show up your, at your Marine, uh, Marine Infantry unit, you know, you're, you know, you have no choice over who the platoon commander is for second platoon, third platoon, fourth platoon, or the weapons company commander, or the, your, your company commander, or the intelligence officer. Um, and you work with whoever is there. Uh, and certainly in legislature, that was my attitude. I was going to work with whoever was there, regardless of their background, regardless, you know, I, I don't get to pick who San Antonio sends to the Texas Senate. I don't get to pick who Florida sends to Congress. Uh, I, I, I only have one vote, and I was fortunate enough to be selected by my community to, to represent uh, Collin County in the, in the U.S. Congress. Um, and so, you know, in the Texas legislature, I passed 81 different bills. Every single one had bipartisan support. Uh, and that is, uh, unfortunately, a very normal experience uh, in the Texas legislature. We have a very bipartisan legislature, uh, it, an incredible contrast with here. Uh, so we had a you know, completely partisan vote on speaker, completely partisan vote on the rules uh, here in Congress on opening day. In the Texas legislature, unanimous election of the speaker, unanimous vote for the rules. Uh, so it's a very different uh, environment here in Washington, but certainly I have a track record of bringing people together um, uh, left and right to come up with common sense solutions to address real problems. Now, uh, a fellow Marine uh, by the name of Jim Mattis. Sure. You, have you heard of Secretary Mattis? I, I, I've heard of him, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Mattis, uh, as you know, resigned last month from the Trump mm -hmm. administration. Mm -hmm. um, and his resignation letter made clear that he believes that President Trump uh, has mistreated our allies. Uh, do you share that assessment? 
Well, uh, let me, you know, Jim Mattis, a great Marine officer. I should should point out little 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 Marine Corps insight. So he was the uh, first Marine Division commander uh, in OAF one. So when I invaded on D Day, March twenty first, two thousand three, he was the first Marine Division commander. One of his regimental commanders for first for fifth Marine Regiment actually was General Dumford, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And believe it or not, his chief of staff for first Marine Division was General Kelly, the <laughs> chief staff for the U.S. President. So those three Marines have been hanging around for a long time. Uh, and you know, I think it's America's blessed to have allies. Uh, we have an important leadership role in the world. We may only have 330 million people, but we have one quarter of the world's GDP. Uh, and we are very blessed to have a great system of, of freedom. Uh, and I think it's worth fighting for that freedom. Uh, I certainly fought for it when I was in Iraq. Uh, and I think that we need to take care of our allies. Um, I think that we could, there are disagreements, uh, certainly within the president's administration. I think I was over the White House last week, they said, you can't, you can't say that we're, there's a lot of groupthink going on around this place. Uh, and um, you know, and uh, there's something to be said for bringing people in that have different perspectives. Uh, but you know, it, it's important to take care of our allies. Is it your role in Congress as a, a member of the president's party? Are you there to be a blocking back for the president or to urge him to hear his better angels? My, my job is to represent the people of the third district of Texas. Um, you know, there are 750,000 Texans, and they deserve to have a member of Congress who looks out for them uh, and puts their interests first. Uh, you know, in my time in the legislature, I served eight years in the Texas legislature, first in the House and then in the Senate. So this is my third time to be a freshman. Uh, it's getting old, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, there was there was leadership and lobbyists. There's principles and people. I put principles and people first. I put leadership and lobbyists last uh, because I believe I'm there to serve the people and I put them first. And, uh, an example of that, uh, in my time in the legislature, I had a 100% meeting policy. I met with every constituent that ever asked to have a meeting with me, ever, ever. Uh, so in the last four years as a senator, I had over 1,300 constituent meetings, one-on-one, -on -one, and it literally as many as they want uh, because I think I work for them. I work for the people. So that, that's who I serve. When you were in the military, did you ever uh, have any encounters with uh, the Israeli military or, or traveled Israel? Uh, so I was actually in Israel last April, uh, and um, you know it's it's an incredible story. Uh, I picked up a book called The Concise History of Israel. Uh, after 450 pages, I realized that the Jewish <laughs> definition of concise is different than my own, perhaps. The, uh, the author is a, a good friend of me, JC, Danny Gordas. Okay, yeah, it was, a, it was a great book. I enjoyed, I enjoyed reading it. Uh, I'm in the middle of, uh, actually, Dan Senor is a Harvard Business School classmate, uh, oh, and uh, he, he wrote a book called Startup Nation, so I'm kind of halfway through that. Uh, and so, um, but you know, it's, it's very clear that Israel is, is fortunate to be there. Uh, and that America has had an important role literally from before the beginning, right? I mean, the, the, uh, the uh, vote in 1947 in, in the United Nations, I mean, the United States was the key deciding, casting vote in that decision uh, before Israel became a nation in May of, May of uh, 1948. Did I get my dates right on that? You did. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so, um, you know, clearly uh, Israel, and look, you know, while I was in the Golan Heights, uh, I watched the Syrians, the Syrians shelling each other. Uh, and I hadn't seen a shot fired in anger since I've been in Iraq. And so that, for me, was something, a somewhat sobering thing to watch. Uh, clearly, Israel is in a tough spot. And what was also amazing is not only was I watching the Syrians shelling each other, I could see Lebanon, uh, where there are rockets aimed at, at, at the Israeli homeland. And it's only you know, two hours to the south, and all of a sudden you're looking, you're looking at Jordan or you're looking at Egypt. And I realize Israel's done a good job of placating those two nation states. 
uh, but they still have three other nation states they've got to deal with. The distances are a whole lot shorter in, uh, yeah. in that part of the world than you're used sure. to in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, uh, a section mate of mine from Harvard School, uh, Tal Keenan, who's actually in, uh, in, Dan, sure. C in Dan Senor's book a lot. Uh, so Tal was a F-16 pilot uh, for the Israeli Air Force. And so when I was at business school, I sort of said, you know, Tal, did you do any combat missions? He's like, well, we tried to do one a month, uh, which to me as a Marine was kind of a, a surprising, you know, the idea is, well, the front is far away. Yeah. When you go there, then you fight, then you come home. Uh, but for Israel, the, the front is literally the border. Yep. Um, yep. Now, I'm sure you know the name Shahid Shafi. Um, for those of you who may not, he was the vice chair of the local Republican, he is still the vice chair of the local Republican Party in Tarrant County, yeah, Texas. Okay. Yep. He was the subject of a recall vote uh, last week because he's a Muslim. Uh, now the vote failed um, and he remains uh, in his uh, position, uh, something that AJC is, is uh, gratified to see. Uh, what do you make of, of this whole saga? What do, you, what do you think it says about the state of pluralism in the Republican Party that the vote happened and that the vote failed? Well, I think, I think that um, we're still, I mean, so September 11, 2001, a day we can all remember in this room, uh, was really the beginning of, of a very long odyssey. Uh, I think that it will be a war that I will fight throughout my life. I think that my children will probably fight it. Uh, I hope that my grandchildren will end it. I mean, and understand the Cold War was 47 to 89. I mean, it was a lot, it was many generations. And I remember Sovietologists, right? So Condoleezza Rice was a Sovietologist. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of people that, I, I, my time at intelligence school, we studied the Soviet military. Uh, it was a long, drawn out effort to understand Soviet mindset, to learn Russian, to go through and understand that. I think that as Americans, we're gonna have to understand a little bit better how the people who proselytize radical Islam are thinking and why they're attacking us. Um, and I think that something that's important that I always say is everybody I know who served overseas in Iraq or Afghanistan served side by side with Muslims, whether they were American Muslims or whether they were Iraqi or Afghanistan Muslims who were fighting with us against radical Islam. We need allies. Uh, America needs allies to win this war. Uh, and they are incredibly valuable allies. Uh, and I've said that to all my Tea Party people back home, all my Republican friends back home. We have to have uh, Muslim allies. Uh, Plano is actually a very fortunate community. We actually have, uh, I think, one of the largest Jewish temple uh, in Collin County. We also have the largest mosque in Collin County. Uh, and so it is, it is a very, I have a very diverse community, a very affluent community uh, that I think is sophisticated enough to understand that we need allies if we're gonna win the war on terror. But I think America's still grappling with that as a nation. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a thought that, well, because these are bad, all are bad. And I think that's actually the opposite. There are some that are bad and there are many that are good. Well, that, that sets you, I think, perhaps in, in counterpoint um, to one of your, your new colleagues. Um, the National Review, one of the pillars of establishment conservatism, uh, just called for the Republican Party to ditch Iowa Congressman Steve King over his remarks in support of white supremacy. Uh, the editors suggested that the party refuse to back him in the next primary uh, or in the 2020 congressional election. What's your take on, on, on Congressman King? You know, at the end of the day, I'm here to represent the people of the third district of Texas. Uh, I have not, I'm not trying to waffle on this one, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, look, white nationalism has no place uh, in this country, I believe. Um, I think that, you know, again, if we're going to win the wars we have to win, we're gonna need friends and allies uh, across the spectrum. Uh, I, some of his comments are deeply disappointing, uh, and I, I certainly would hope better. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, you know, I, th I think that 
we'll go more into that. My guess is, I guess is we're going to see this one again. Uh, this, will, be, this will be a continuing discussion, but I'll begin with that. His, his comments are disappointing. Mm -hmm. Some of our members here will be meeting tomorrow with your fellow Texan, Senator Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you the question that's on the lips of everyone in this town. What do you think of the beard? <laughs> uh, it's it's not very Texas, right? Is it? Yeah, I, I, Ted and I Ted and I go back from uh, from before he, either he or I was elected to anything way back. Uh, and uh, you know, I am gonna I'm gonna let Heidi speak to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay out of, stay out of that one. Uh, Terrific. Well, thank you sure. so much, Representative Taylor, for sure. joining us. Uh, and on behalf of everyone here at AJC, let me just say we wish you much luck. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Now it's time for our closing segment, Good for the Jews, where each week I share one final thought about a recent development in the world and try to answer that age-old question. Is it good for the Jews? Baraboo, Wisconsin. Good for the Jews? I first heard of Baraboo, Wisconsin when that awful story broke a few months back about the 50 or so high school junior boys who had all made the Nazi salute for a group photo at prom. The photo was shocking and disturbing, especially as the conversations around race and anti-Semitism in America have become increasingly fraught. Now, the teachers union at Baraboo High School has made a donation to the Auschwitz-Birkenau Memorial and Museum. After running a fundraiser selling t-shirts they had designed that said on them, no room for hate. This classroom, this school, this community, this state, this country, this world. The photo the students posed for was, without a doubt, horrible, and put Baraboo on the map in the worst way. Perhaps this fundraiser and the donation to the Auschwitz Memorial and the months of learning that will have to follow will redeem the town. And then we'll be able to say that Baraboo, Wisconsin is good for the Jews. You can subscribe to AJC Passport on iTunes or on Stitcher. Follow us on SoundCloud or learn more at AJC.org passport. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at passport at AJC.org. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it and write a review to help more listeners find us. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sefi Kogan. This episode is brought to you by AJC, the American Jewish Committee. Our producer is Kukang Do. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. Tune in next week for another episode of AJC Passport.